we go. Hello, this is the Convinced Christianity Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Tatum. And today, we have a guest, Aaron Simpkins. I'm going to introduce him. I'm giving him an opportunity to introduce himself in a second. Um, but before I do that, I want to apologize. It's been a couple weeks uh, since I've uh, made a podcast. Um, and that is because I had some pretty big news. I got engaged, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also started uh, taking some classes at Biola University, so that's taken. Uh, oh, what am I doing here? Um, got my podcast playing while on my phone. Um, so yeah, I that's a lot going on last few, few weeks. So um, please uh, bear with me as I you know, put this podcast up and continue on. Um, so like I said, uh, we have Aaron Simpkins joining us, and uh, he's always up to a lot. Always got something going on. Uh, so I want to give him an opportunity to uh, introduce himself and let us know uh, what is what is up. What is going on, world? <laughs> Aaron Simpkins here. I'm the owner of True Strength Apparel. Uh, I do a I have my own podcast, also True Strength Life. Um, it's on iTunes, Google Play Store, the Anchor app, True Strength Life podcast. Uh, I do a daily show, Daily Words of Wisdom, where I I talk about a Proverbs verse or passage every day. Uh, I do topics um, or, or stuff that comes to mind that I want to talk about for a little while. I do that once or twice a week also uh, on my podcast. Um, bigger news, though, uh, I'm going to be a dad soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wifey's over seven months now. Almost there. Yeah. That's what's up. That's cool. You excited for that? You gotta be. I mean. Uh, I'm super excited. I know, yeah. And Yeah. It's funny because uh, I uh, before we knew the sex of the baby, I'm like I know it's gonna be a girl. She got this huge dude. <laughs> like I can imagine this huge dude just holding this little tiny little baby girl, um, and it's a little, it's a little girl. So uh, I'm excited for you guys. Appreciate um, it. So shout out to Brooke as well. Uh, yeah. Um, so if you don't know by now, uh, we are going to be discussing on this today's podcast the um, the historicity and the deity of Jesus. Um, as there are a lot of people that, uh, don't understand that, um, Jesus is a real person. He did walk this earth, uh, thousands of years ago. Um, and, and there's other people that are in faith, but don't, uh, believe that he's God. Um, just believe he was a wise teacher or, um, a prophet. Um, and so we're going to speak to those things, speak to those challenges and objections. Um, and, uh, so I guess we'll get started. I want to, Aaron's going to preface um, this topic uh, with a few things um, that he's going to mention. So, One thing we're going to talk a lot about, uh, we're, we're going to be bringing up New Testament passages um, a few times about both the historicity and the deity of, of Christ. And so we want to preface that with saying that, uh, that how reliable the New Testament is um, as a historical document, as... Uh, non-biblical um, writers and people from, from those times um, proved uh, the New Testament to be what it is, uh, how the New Testament writers um, have been proved over and over to be true. Uh, the archaeology um, has, uh, has picked up over, it's over 5,000-something copies, I believe. Of 
copies of oh, yeah, fragments yeah. of yeah. the New yep. Testament, yeah. um, which is for ancient writings is by far number one yeah. uh, of of ancient writings that have been discovered, and uh, and the and not only is it they found the most of the New Testament, but the uh, the ones that have been found are actually really close dating dating back really close to when the actual events mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Some some of them within like a few years, yeah. and uh, and and no no ancient writing that's been found can even say that at all. Right. I believe number two is Homer's Odyssey, um, and that's I think it's the Iliad. Homer's Iliad. Is it the Iliad? I think it's the Iliad. Um, which there's been like six hundred copies of that been found. Yeah. And New Testament, like I said, is over five thousand. Um, but uh, but even with Homer's, what's been found, they haven't found anything that's even close. I think with, that's not even within like five hundred years of when yeah. the said events, right. you know, even were supposed to have happened. So right. uh, the the reliability of the New Testament is basically what I'm speaking to, and uh, it's it's super reliable. We we I'm sure Marcus is going to do a show at some point um, on that specific topic um, we don't want to have that take up too much time here but we just want to touch on that and, and mention that first before we get into everything else yeah um so we know right off the bat we can trust what we're reading um and we can um, look at it as um actual account of um history and not it's not a myth it's not um just wasn't written as a fiction story it wasn't written as a narrative for us to just enjoy it um, it's, it's recorded history, um, written down. Um, and that being said, we're talking about a historic, uh, and real Jesus. Um, and so, uh, Aaron, do you have anything about the historicity of Jesus? The historicity of Jesus. Um, well, for non-biblical sources for the historicity of Jesus, there's, there's at least 10, I believe there's more, um, but there's ten people that weren't even Christians that from from back then who mm-hmm. wrote about or the time of Jesus and then also uh, two or three centuries after Jesus, um, ancient historians from back then who wrote about Christ in their own writings as being a historical person who really truly did exist at the time. Right. I have the list of the names. I don't know if you want want me to try we, to read, read off them. a few. Read off a few. Uh, Let's see. Obviously, one that a lot of people probably heard of is Josephus. Mm-hmm. Um, he was born A.D. 37. Yep. Trying to pick out ones that I can actually read. Uh, Justin Martyr. Okay, yeah. Um, Josephus was, I think, a, I don't know if we know this, but I don't want to say anything wrong, but Josephus, I think, was a Jewish historian, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. And then there's, like, Tacitus, right? Yeah, I, that was, I was going to say that one yeah. next. Cornelius Tacitus. Mm-hmm. Um Lucian of Samoseta, second century. I can, these, these names are crazy. That's why. I'm, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, but they're there. Yeah, <laughs> so they're, they're there. Um, and you need to get check that out. It's Josh Facebook. McDowell. Josh yeah. McDowell. Evidence that demands a verdict. Uh, we'll mention resources at the end. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's yeah. We'll get to that at the end. So yeah. That's that's good stuff. Um, I think for me, I was telling Aaron earlier. I think that's a heavy, um, that's heavy evidence right there. I mean, you you can't. These are non-biblical, extra-biblical, whatever you want to call it, sources that affirm Jesus as a historical figure. Um, they wrote about him. They didn't believe in him as God, so it's not like they had this motive or this bias to like 
promote him as divine. Um, they were just writing what actually happened. Um, and they had to write about this man because he made such a radical um, impact on the world. Um, and so these are just, again, non, they're not Christians. Um, it's non, not biblical stuff. This is outside of the Bible, historical accounts um, that mention Jesus as a historical person. And did you want to bring up, too, um, the whole thing about there being 10 plus non-biblical sources mentioning Jesus as a real person walking this earth mm-hmm. back in ancient times, but also how, uh, like we said for Alexander, how mm-hmm. nobody questions that, right? But there's only like there. I, I see. I should have. I should have found these numbers exactly. Before, it's a very small before number. Before I mentioned it, but yeah. with with Alexander, there's like only a handful of his writings or, or writings about him. Yeah. Um, and they were years and years and years after he existed. Exactly. But Alexander's one of those guys nobody questions. Yeah, we don't, he's in our history no, books. Yeah. Nobody questions. He's yeah. talked about in school. Yep. You know, yeah, like you said, he's in textbooks and, and all that. Yep. Why isn't Jesus? Yeah. We have far more evidence to show that Jesus was a historical person uh, than we do most of the people, most, literally most of the people uh, in our history textbooks in high school and colleges. Um, yet, you know, uh, I was telling Aaron earlier, I don't think, I think it's mainly because um the secular world doesn't have to want to deal with that that uh idea that jesus is more than just human um they would have to confront it and they just uh choose not to um so yeah that being said uh let's get into the it's basically what i just said confronting the idea that jesus is more than just uh, a mere man um and uh, so we're going to talk about the deity of jesus christ did he claim to be god um, and how do we know, in fact, that he is God? Um, and I think where we're gonna, where I'm going to start is in the book of John, on the very first verse, in the very first chapter. Um, all over John. I mean, all over John. It's pretty easy to, to, to understand that in the book of John, John sees Jesus as God. Um, and so I'm going to read John 1, 1 for you guys. And it says, uh, in the beginning was the Word. Uh, and the Word was God, or excuse me, was with God. And the word was God. Um, so, I mean, right off the bat, you just have this, uh, I guess you call it, want to call it an equation to, to better understand it, where you have, you have the word, and then the word was with God. So you have these two things. You got the word, and then that word is, is with God, and then the word was God. Uh, so, I mean, you right off the bat, you have to wrestle with the fact that there's something separate from God, yet is God at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um and then if you go on uh, to verse 14, um, it's it's referencing back what, you know, verse 13 verses just we're talking about, the word. And it says, and the word became flesh. I mean, the only thing that we know became flesh and or this, this, um, this way of speaking or this language that's being used is Jesus. It's referring to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and it dwelt, and it says, it dwelt, and he dwelt among us and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the father. Now, the only begotten, again, speaking of Jesus. Now, if you go to verse 18, which is really interesting, if you have certain translations, um, I believe they're called Textus Receptus translations, you don't have this. But if you have like an NIV or NASB, um, it'll, and in verse 18, it'll say this. It says, no one has seen God at any time, uh, the only begotten God who was in the bosom of the Father. It says only begotten God. You know, in a certain, trans- New- the King James will say only begotten Son, I believe. Um, but... 
here it says the only begotten God, just straight up claiming that Jesus is God himself. Um, so you have a really, like, you know, really steep uphill battle to climb if you're going to try to use John to say, you know, Jesus didn't claim to be God, because uh, it's, <laughs> right off the bat, it's pretty hard to, to claim that, so. Yeah, you'd have to do a lot of... Twisting. Yeah, twisting, that's a good word. Yeah. Yep. Twisting, yeah. Yeah, so, I, for me, um, I think throughout the Gospels, what I'm seeing is that Jesus is is saying things and he's doing things that only God is supposed to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I think we conclude that Jesus is claiming to be God and he's affirming and proving, providing the evidence that he is God um, in doing those things. And uh, Aaron, you have anything to say about that before I go farther? Uh, well, basically, you, you, yeah, I mean, he, he shows, uh, well, ba- I guess what you're talking about is miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, uh, uh, you know, the walking on water story, he proves that he has power over nature. Right. Uh, he proves over and over he has power over, um, the physical body right. by, by healing. Um, and, uh, I don't know if you want to touch on, you know, miracles is one of those things that skeptics bring up is like, well, we can't prove miracles. Sure. Miracles is like outside of. Uh, the laws of physics and stuff right. like that. So, um, which is in, which is interesting because I'll say this: when we talk about a theistic God, um, what we're inferring and implying is that this God is outside of our science. It's outside of space, time, and matter. Um, so, if we're going to even come to the table to discuss if there's a, a God's existence, we have to understand that God is not subject to our science. So, it's not going to be natural. Some of the things he does aren't going to be subject to anything that we know of and we have here on this earth. So in in saying that we don't know if miracles happens, you're assuming there's no God when we're assuming there is. Yeah. And so we have to come to the same, the same, we have to get on the same page there first and then we can address the miracle issue if, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's supernatural. That's the point of a miracle is that it's not supposed to be natural. It's not supposed to be something that just happens every day. So, yeah. That's why it's a miracle. Exactly. Like, that's why we, we hold it to the standard that we, you know, we like, wow, this is something to take notice of. Um, now, moving on, as I was, we were just talking to, Jesus is saying and doing things such as miracles um, that is proving and, and showing that he's claiming to be God and that he's affirming that he is God himself. Um, now, I want to talk about Bart Ehrman. Uh, Bart Ehrman is a, is a New Testament scholar, expert, who... Um, I'll give him this. He, he knows a lot about the New Testament. He's got a lot of stuff right about the New Testament. But at the same time, he, he doesn't affirm or he doesn't, um, he doesn't believe Jesus is God. Um, he is not a Christian, um, which is crazy because some of the things that he's concluded you would, would lead you to be like, okay, well, this is true. Um, they kind of conflict with each other. Right. The yeah. fact that he wouldn't put his confess it and believe in his heart Um conflicts with some of the things that he's found. Um, but I want to say this. Barnerman's uh, main objection, or one of his main objections, is what I, I've called the progressive deity objection. So and this, it's, it's this idea that um, the way the Gospels were chronologically written, um, that it starts with Mark. Mark is the first Gospel that was written. It's not the first in our, in our Bibles, the way it's put, put together. 
but it's the first that was written in terms of date. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mark is the first gospel, and then it, and then it goes progressively to John. John being the last gospel, and and his argument is that um, in the book of Mark, Jesus is just fully human and only human. Uh, by the time you get to John, he's saying that he's progressed into this divine being, and that now all of a sudden people are worshiping him. <clears throat> excuse me, and now they're claiming he's God, whereas he's saying they didn't do that in Mark. And then Mark, he's just he's just human. Like there's no question about it. Um, that was his first stance. He has since changed his stance by after doing more research um, and understanding. He's like, okay, right, right. <laughs> and it's like, okay, now he's claiming he's wrong, yeah. um, and that no, he says no. Yes, Jesus was in fact claiming to be God and um, affirming that he was God by doing miracles in the Book of Mark. Like no kidding. Um, so that's just his his first stance is just nonsense. Um, but I actually kind of want to go a little farther into that and prove why. Um, so if anyone comes to you in, as a Christian and challenges you with like, um, well, you know, Jesus is, is human in some books and then he's like divine in others. Like, which is it? Uh, it's not true. He's divine in, in the entire New Testament. Um, and I want to just mention that the book of Mark is written from a Jewish perspective. Uh, perspective in Jewish context because and we know this because um there's 71 references in the book of Mark um all of all 71 references refer back to Jewish scripture uh, the Old Testament and so we know that this book was being written um for Jewish people probably from a Jewish who wrote do you know who wrote the book of Mark is it John Mark himself or Maybe uh, looking at it right now, uh, but um, yeah. So I mean, it was written from a Jewish perspective, uh, which I'll say this: they were very careful not to worship anything or anyone but God. So you have to deal with that. Like, how does a Jewish, from a Jewish context, how do you come to this, um, this place of worshiping Jesus so quickly? Like, what is it that convinced them? So, um, yeah. That being said, I wanted to talk about some specific instances in the book of Mark that um, are, are, are instances of Jesus claiming to be God. Um, whether he's doing it directly or if he's just kind of showing it. Um, or he's doing things that we know from um, like as a third party that we know only God can do. Um, and so the first thing before I get into the actual miracles of Jesus, I want to talk about John the Baptist. The book of yes. Mark starts with John the Baptist saying, make a way for the Lord, um, yes. uh, make a pathway for the Lord. Um, what, he, what he's doing there is actually he's, he's taking Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, and Malachi 3, and he's combining them. And he's saying, uh, God himself is coming to the earth, so let us make a pathway uh, for him to come. Um Which, go ahead. Let me, yeah. I just want to say real quick. Um We'll get into this in a little bit about prophecy, hmm. uh, but what you, just to reconfirm what you just said about yeah. John the Baptist, um, it was even prophesied in the Old Testament in Malachi and all. Uh, John the Baptist was, they, they prophesied about John the Baptist mm-hmm. coming as right. somebody preparing the way for Jesus. Right. Uh, and so even even backing further, like the proof of yeah. Just, just a whole more of a backstory exactly. to it. Yeah. Um, that John the Baptist was also prophesied about, right. and then um, it was prophesied what he would do, exactly. which he 
completely fulfilled those right. roles. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then it was prophesied what, you know, but we'll get into that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's good stuff. Um, it's just heavier because it's like, not only was, um, Jesus prophesied, but the prophecy of Jesus was prophesied. Yeah. And it's like, it just, you can't get around that. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So this is all going to bring me to, uh, what I'm calling the Yahweh Jesus deity chart. Uh, so what I did was, um, I heard some people speak and I, actually I think it was Nabil Qureshi I heard, who I heard speak and he was kind of just naming all these things that Jesus did and then he kind of referred it back to the Old Testament and said, well, God did that. Um, and you know, I kind of took his little, his, uh, illustration. I, I made my own chart from it. Um, and so let's talk about that. All right. So I'm going to go, we're still in the book of, well, we're going to the book of Mark. We're still in the book of Mark. Um, and I'm going to read from, uh, actually I won't read it. I'll just mention it. So in Mark chapter two, um, Jesus, and if you remember, he is speaking in this, this crowd, uh, speaking to this crowd in a room and, um, there's this paralytic. And so the, it is so crowded, they can't get in. So what they do is they go up to the roof, they put a hole in the roof and they lower the paralytic down into the, the room. And, um, Jesus, what he does is he forgives the man of his sins. It's the first thing he does. And um, and actually, I'll stop there for a second because it's interesting because he forgives the man of his sins. But then look what uh, look what he, I think it's the Jewish scribes. What did the Jewish scribes do? Verse 6. Verse 6. He says, but some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Now, I thought that was interesting just from an apologetic standpoint. They were reasoning in their hearts. That That's not how it works. Like you have reason with your mind, not your heart, and so like right there, it's like they desired, they desired for him not to be the Messiah already in their hearts. So they didn't want to confront this idea that he was actually, you yeah, know, claiming to be God. They didn't want to. That was that was already in their hearts. So they tried to reason that in their hearts, which doesn't work. And you'll see Jesus actually go on to say that um, later. Um, so essentially, what he does, he forgives his sins, but then he tells the man to get up and walk. This man can't walk. He's paralytic. But Jesus tells him to get up and walk as he's healing him. And so the man gets up. He walks and takes this thing out and he goes about his way. Um, now, it's interesting because if you go back to um, Psalm 103, I believe, um, and the Jewish scribes that were there witnessing this knew exactly what was happening and knew exactly what Jesus was claiming because they freak out. They're like, yo, you can't do this because only God is supposed to be able to do this. And if you go to uh, Psalm 103, which I'll read for you guys. Let me read right before you do that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. The end of verse 6, Mark 2, verse 6. Uh, or no, it's verse 7. It, the scribes say, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but mm-hmm. God alone? Exactly. Yeah, so they, exactly. They knew exactly what he was saying. Like, you're like, you can't do this because only God's supposed to be able to do this. Yeah. But he just did it. So... What does that say? And then what um, you're about to read is, right. is why Psalm they're freaking out. With the are. Exactly. Psalm 103 uh, says this. I'll read the first part of it. It says, Blessed be the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all iniquities, all right, who heals all your diseases. That's what God does. And Jesus did that in front of those two things. Right off the bat, he did those things, two things, um, in that order. In that situation. Yeah, in that situation. Like, it's, it's crazy how intentional God is, and you'll see that again, uh, going forward as well. Um, yeah, isn't it funny how the Bible just ties together? Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's like God knows what he's doing, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> like, like, he's actually wise and knows what he's doing. Um, <laughs> shocker. Um, I'll pick a couple. I'm not going to read all these that I have down here. But another one that, again, with Jesus is just so intentional is uh, Mark 4, uh, 39. Um, and he, and that one I'll, I'll read. Um, so they're, they're in a boat, uh, there's a storm going on. This happened a couple times in the Bible actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one specific time where the storm's going on. Jesus is actually asleep. Um, and the disciples was like, yo, get up. There's a storm. We're about to die. They're freaking out. Um, and Jesus uh, says, he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea. Now listen to these words. He says, hush, be still. And it says, the, and the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. So Jesus just stopped the storm. Um, he hushes and calms the storm, which is interesting. If you go back and read Psalm 107, uh, verse 29, it's <laughs> so intentional. Jesus is so intentional here because it says in Psalm 107, 29, it says he calls the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. <laughs> like he could have said, calm, shut up, or like, you know, or storm, shut up or storm, be calm. He could have said anything, but he said, uh, hush, be still. Those exact words is what he used, um, which brings you back to Psalm 107, where it says he calls the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Like, that's just so intentional to me. Like, um, remember, remember in the beginning where you started with one, one. Yeah. He's the word. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a great point. It's like, he is the word. Like, um, so I, I mean, safe to say he knew every word of the old Testament. So he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just crazy. And then, um, do you want to, you said you had some, uh, some claims that you had that written down some, what some, uh, Jesus, where Jesus is claiming to be God. Oh, uh, just a few references. Mm-hmm. Um, these are, uh, these are Jesus claiming to be God and, and also Messiah at the same time. Um, and I'll, the last one I'll end with, I know that you'll have something to say about, so I'll, mm-hmm. I'll end with that one. Uh, John four twenty five to 26, he's talking to uh, the woman at the well. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Mm-hmm. Um, John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. Jesus speaking again. Um, Mark 13, uh, 31. This is Jesus speaking. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the one that I know you can speak of more is uh, John eight fifty six through 59. Um, I didn't write uh, all the verses, but just at the end, mm-hmm. it says, um, before Abraham was born, I am. Right. Right. Je- and that's Jesus saying, I am. Right. Which he does multiple times. And by the way, before Abraham was born, Abraham was in the physical body. Abraham was born, what, 4,000 years before Jesus? Yeah. So how could he be there before Abraham? Right. And this is a 30-year-old man, essentially. Uh, He's not 4,000 years old. Um, And so if you don't know, I am is a claim that Yahweh made to Moses in the book of Exodus uh, while uh, God had showed up as the burning bush mm-hmm. um so he's claiming to be that that person that i am that being um and so i mean that's that's heavy stuff um along with that now to me this is this was heavy um i'm gonna read mark chapter 14 and we'll kind of move on to the next uh 
section of this topic, if you will, uh, after I read this. Um, I'm going to read Mark 14. I'm going to start in verse 55. Uh, it says, Now the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain testimony against Jesus to put him to death. Uh, and they were not finding any. So they had no reasons to put him to death. It says, For many were giving false testimony against him, but their testimony was not consistent. Some stood up and began to give false testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and in three days I will build another made without hands. Um, 59 says, Not even in this respect was their testimony consistent. So this was actually true. Like He really did say that, and uh, they couldn't even agree on that, Like what was actually true, which is crazy. Um, the high priest stood up and came to forward and questioned Jesus, saying, Do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But he kept silent, Jesus, and he did not answer. Again, the high priest was questioning him um, says, and saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am. Another, another I am moment. And he goes on to say, And you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power, big capital P, so that's God, the Father, and coming with the clouds of heaven. So I'll stop there. That's huge. Now, us reading that, if you don't know Old Testament, if you haven't read through the book of Daniel, um, you may not catch it the first time around. Um, and so what what he's doing, what Jesus is doing here is he's referring back to Daniel 7. Now I'm going to read Daniel 7 so you can get um, an idea of what's actually happening here. Um, all right, so Daniel 7, all right, in verse 9, so in verse 9, Daniel's having a vision here. He's saying, he says, I kept looking until the thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days, God, the Father, took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames, which God, the Father, shows up as fire and flame uh, quite a bit in the in the Bible. Um, it says its wheels were a burning fire. Um, a river of fire was flowing and coming out from coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat and the books were open. So this is God the Father sitting on the throne. He's got the books. Of, I'm assuming a books of life, book of life, um, just kind of opened uh, before him. And this is a vision that Daniel's having of God the Father. Now he goes on. He says, "I kept looking." This is verse 13. I kept looking in the night vision. So this is at night. He's having this vision still. It says, And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was pre presented before him. Verse 14. And to him was given dominion, glory, authority, and sovereign power. And that all the all the peoples, nations, men's of, men of every language might serve him. And I'll stop there. That sounds a lot like God. like, And this is the Old Testament. This is Daniel. Jesus isn't on the scene yet, but he says, one like the Son of Man. Now, a lot of people hear Son of Man, and they think, okay, well, Son of Man must be like the human side of Jesus, and Son of God might be like the divine side of Jesus. But in a Jewish context, and if you're Jewish, and you know your scripture, you knew exactly what Jesus was saying. And you knew exactly that Jesus was referring to a specific passage and a specific thing, and not just a general like Son of God. right? Because Adam was was called a son of God. Um, I believe, I want to say Moses probably was even called a son of God. Um, he doesn't say that. He says, I'm, a, I'm the son of man, as if to say, like, remember that guy in Daniel 7, like, that's me. 
Um, and he's claiming that of himself um, to have glory, authority, sovereign power. Um, sounds like God. And he's sitting at the right hand of power, which is also important. And I'll quickly mention this. Um, there's many people that stood next to God. I believe Enoch stood next to God. I think um, Moses stood next to God. But never do you see anyone sitting at the right hand of, of God. And it's as if to say, if you sit, you are now co-heir with God and you are ruling, help, helping to rule uh, the universe uh, with God. And so that's why Moses didn't sit and Enoch didn't sit. But Jesus himself, who is God himself, was able to sit at the right hand of power. Um, so me, that was probably the heaviest, the heaviest thing that I found. Yes, that's huge. Yeah. So that's that's what I got on that. Uh, Aaron, I don't know if you have anything to say to add to that. <clears throat> Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, you, you covered a lot of it. Right. Uh, I guess that kind of takes us into going more into prophecy then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah speak to that. Um, uh, I want to read, uh, I've made some, some marks in this book, Man, Myth, Messiah. And, uh, let's read a couple things. In, this, this is addressing, uh, Prophecy. Um, one thing I one thing I like that that in this book that the author wrote, uh, the prophets who spoke for God prefaced their statements with the phrase, "Thus says the Lord." But when Jesus spoke, he didn't say, "Thus says the Lord," mm. but instead he made comments such as, "Truly I say to you." Mm. He spoke in such terms because the Lord was speaking. Wow. Um. And I and I never I never had picked up on that before. Yeah, I was just about to say that I've never heard that argument. Yeah, that's wow. that's pretty cool. That is cool uh, because it may I mean, you know, it makes sense now thinking about that because right. you can you can in your mind like if you know some scripture you can uh, think of where Jesus does say truly I say to you, mm-hmm. um, but then you can also think of the times where a prophet says thus says the Lord. Right. So when Jesus is saying, truly I say to you, he's speaking as the Lord. He's right. speaking as God. Doesn't need a prophet. Because I am God. Yeah. He is God. Right. He doesn't He doesn't need a, another source to back man, him up. Will, yeah. yeah. Yep. Wow. That's cool. Uh, and then I just, uh, I guess I'll bring up a, a few passages of prophecy and then, and then you can have a couple. Sure. Um, Isaiah 53, which is the... Forbidden passage um, for Jews. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they had they the, the Jews believe in Isaiah, but they they actually forbid Isaiah fifty three to be taught because it speaks of the coming Messiah and uh, and Jesus fits and fulfills all of those right. all of that criteria right. in in Isaiah fifty three, and that was written six hundred years before Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Um, and then uh, just other things like like in Micah five two, um, it describes Bethlehem as the birthplace of the Messiah, yeah. which obviously we know that's where he was fulfilled. Was, yeah. That was fulfilled yeah. by Jesus. Um, Zechariah twelve ten five hundred years before Christ, this was written. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says that he will be pierced. We know mm-hmm. that Christ was yeah. that Jesus was pierced on the cross. Right. Um, I let you go so. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's funny. I watched a video, um, a testimony one time uh, of a Jewish man who uh, was reading Isaiah 53. Yeah, I've um, seen a couple of them too. And he was the, like, he was throwing off. He was like, what's Jesus doing in my Bible? Yeah. That's, that was the word. That's, the, that's what he yeah. said. That was the quote. Um, 
And he said at that moment, he just had to surrender um, to Jesus as Messiah, as Lord, as God. Um, yeah, so that's the go-to chapter, Isaiah 53, if you uh, have any Jewish friends that um, maybe claim that Jesus is not the Messiah, not the Messiah that they're waiting for. Um, that's, that's the chapter to go to, uh, along with all these other things we're mentioning as well, but... That is uh, that's a good one because they already they already you know accept Old Testament scripture as as their scriptures. So yeah, exactly. It's not like we're giving them anything new. Uh, Old Testament is what they they use. Um, to hammer down on this point, like earlier I said, Mark was one of was the earliest gospel written. Um, but even earlier than that was Paul's writings. Paul's writings were written before the gospels. Um, if you didn't know that. Um, and he says some pretty, like, shut-the-book type stuff where it's like, it's over. Um, Can I read one of them? Yeah, go for it. Uh, now I gotta remember where I wrote it at. <laughs> oh, Acts, 9, Acts chapter 9, verse 20. This is uh, Paul writing. Uh, immediately he began proclaiming... This is right after his, uh, his conversion. Okay. Um, immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. So Paul, Paul claims it. <laughs> he is the Son of God, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, and, and we already touched on that that Son of God, right? Son right. of Man, right. uh, part. Um, Paul also says in some of his letters uh, to the Philippian church, uh, Philippians chapter two, verse six and seven, it says, "Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God to be a thing to be grasped." emptied himself taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men so he's he's saying that there's a being that has the essence of god that is god yet he emptied himself to become a human uh, we know that to be jesus and jesus claimed hey, to be that person jesus. so there he is again right yeah. um and then colossians one of my favorite i i used this verse uh when speaking to uh jehovah Wit jehovah's witness mm. um to me, this was like, how do you, like, what do you do with this? Like, how are you going to dispute this? Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 uh, and 10 says this. It says, for in him, speaking of Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. I mean, that one is heavy because it's like, whether you regard Jesus as God or not, this verse is telling us that the deity of God Himself is in some way a bodily form. So who is it? You gotta you gotta deal with that. Like if you don't think it's Jesus, you gotta find somebody else that's claiming to have this deity within their body, um, in their human flesh. Um, and what makes the most sense is Jesus Christ Himself. Um, and and there so. had. Uh... When John the Baptist came, there were some people that were saying John the Baptist was hmm. was the Messiah that was prophesied about, but John the Baptist himself was was bluntly proclaiming, "No, I am right. not him. This, right. I am not the coming Messiah. I yeah. am I am here to tell you me. that he is coming." Yeah, and in fact, he he kept saying, uh, "I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes, tie yeah. his sandals. Like, yeah, I'm not him. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals." Um, let's see, I will, all right, so I'm going to go back to the Gospels for a quick moment, I don't want to be too much longer, um, now there's some other objections that and challenges people could come to Christians with 
in the Gospels that kind of throw Christians off sometimes. Um, so how can Jesus be God when in the book of John, Jesus actually says, the Father is greater than I? Um, you kind of have to deal with that as a Christian. Uh, some people take that as, well, if you're God, how can something be greater than you? Um, which leads me to have to explain the Trinity. And I'm going to do this very quickly. I don't want to stay too long on this. Um, this be a whole other video. That could be, yeah, seriously, be a whole other video. Yeah. I feel like I've, I've done a video on that before. Uh, so if go find it in my video section uh, if you want to hear more about that. Um, but here's the definition of the Trinity. Now, first let me say this. People use illustrations like the egg or the apple as an illustration for the Trinity. That's okay, but you can't just give them an illustration. Um, illustrations are meant to be uh, an illustration of a definition. And so you have to give someone a definition, then give them an illustration. Um, so let me give you a definition. All right, so the Trinity. What is the Trinity? The Trinity is, all right, so God is one in being, but three in person. So it's not a contradiction. Some people say, well, how do you say you have one God, but three, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's that's three. Uh, we're claiming that they are one in being, one in essence, but three in person. All right. So that's not a contradiction. If I said he's one in, in one in being and three in being, that's a contradiction. If I say he's one in person and three in person, that's a contradiction. We're saying he's one in being, three in persons. All right. Um, and so a being is what? A being is that which makes me what I am, which is like, I'm a human being. That's what Aaron is. That's what I am. That's, that's our being. But who I am is different for us. I'm Marcus Tatum. He's Aaron Simpkins. And you know, I'm 23. I don't even know how old you are, Aaron. He's old. Oh man. He's old man. Um, (laughs) there you go. Um, so that's what makes us who we are. So they're different things, right? Uh, Marcus Tatum doesn't, like I can name my dog. That doesn't make him a human. He's a different being. Um, so that Mark Stadium's who I am, uh, a human being is, uh, you say it right? Yeah, human being is what I am. Um, that's my being. Uh, so another example is like my dad, Leroy Tatum. He is, this example of, of okay, first let me say this. Jesus is uh, not as great in role. So the Father, God the Father is greater in role, but not in essence. They're still both God. Um, equality in terms of who they are and their being. Um, but in their roles as persons, they're not equal. Uh, God the Father is greater in role, which is what Jesus says here. Um, and Jesus uh, sub- subjects himself to that, and he surrenders to that. Um, an example of that, that not you know being weird, is this. My father, we are both the same being. We're both human beings. Um, but he is the head of this household. Um, so his role is greater than, than mine in this house. Uh, yet we're still both human beings. Um, so that, that it's logical to believe that it's not like this is some random, weird, uh, crazy thing that, you know, we're claiming, um, it makes a lot of sense. It's logical. We, we, we think about, if you just take time to think about it, it's not that crazy. That's essentially what I'm saying. Um, and you have anything to say about that? Was that, uh, you mentioned before the example of Nabil's, was that Nabil's? Point. His definition? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nabil came with that. I just want to make sure that, you, yeah. you did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nabil gave that definition. Uh, Nabil Qureshi um, gave that definition. Um, and it's, it's, it's a simple, easy definition to give, and it makes sense. It's not hard. You don't need to, like we were talking about earlier, William Lane Craig, he'll make things really difficult <laughs> to say in English. We're like, do you, are you speaking English? But this is really simple. He's one in being, three in person. Uh, it's not a contradiction. Uh, those are two different things. Um, 
Yeah. No, so, you, you you covered it. Yeah. Um. Do you have anything else you want to say? Before I, wrap um, it up? I just I, I wrote down one more example of a prophecy passage. Okay. Uh, from Jeremiah twenty three three, um, describe and Jeremiah describes describes uh, the good shepherd as God, and in John ten. Uh, 14 through 16, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. Mm. Mm. That's, that, wow, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's even, that's even ironic because, uh, this, uh, what's that, one day yesterday at church, that was, that was what we, that was our sermon. That was the sermon. We talked about the good shepherd. That's crazy. Must right? be in the sheep and the, and the flock. So that's, that's cool too. But yeah, yeah that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> like, it is what it is. Yeah, I don't even need to say anything. Um, I will. You had, did you say everything you wanted to say? I was going to end with one last thing. Um, do you have everything you want to say? Pro- yeah, prophecy wise. Prophecy. Yeah, okay. Um, give you one last thing on the Old Testament. Uh, uh, excuse me, not Old Testament. Yes, Old Testament. Sorry. Um, I want to read Philippians two, um, chapter no, chapter two, verse nine through 11 uh, which says for this reason also god highly exalted and bestowed on him the name which is above every name verse 10 so that at the name of jesus every knee will bow of uh, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father um so alone that verse is something to deal with uh but what he's actually, what Paul is actually doing here is just, he's actually referring back to Isaiah uh, 45, um, verse 30, uh, 23, which says, I have sworn by myself, myself being God, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back. That to me, every knee will bow, every tongue will, con- will swear allegiance or confess that I am Lord, right? So... This is God speaking in Isaiah. What does Paul do? Paul swaps out God and puts Jesus' name. He's just inserting Jesus' name in here to say, "Well, this is the this is the guy. This is this is the God that that we've been in relationship with, you know, from from Genesis one till now." Um, so that's can, another one. Can we speak on real quick? Yeah. Um, I know I didn't pre-warn you before the show that, that I was going to bring this up because oh, I didn't know if I was going to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the the but the historicity of Paul, mm, um, because okay. I I mean I don't have names in front of me, but mm. I I know that uh, historians and skeptics and all that like it's like you know everybody is very certain that Paul as a and as, as an apostle and as a uh, original leader of the Christian church right. and, and starter of the Christian yeah. church and missionary and all, uh, he was a real person. Right. Like Paul really wrote these things and all that. Right. Um, so, I mean, that that in itself gives more backing and proof, you know, yeah. to what he's saying. Yeah. And he probably has a lot of, of sources because even before he became a Christian, he was on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. You know, like the he was... Persecuting he knew scriptures Christians. in and out. Right. And he was persecuting script, uh, Christians. Um, so I'm pretty sure people that weren't Christians would have had no problem uh, affirming what what Paul was doing to Christians. Um, so it's not like all of a sudden becomes a Christian, like we don't listen to Paul or want to listen to what he has to say. Like yeah. he's still just as a, as a historical person 
as uh, we. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up a story real quick. Go ahead. Um, this 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 might this might be a little weird but it's 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 funny that like it's funny how this happened and then now we're doing this show Mm. and i just mentioned paul uh a couple weeks ago um a couple weeks ago i had a dream that uh and in my dream i was i was going back and forth with somebody talking about um and they, they were they were like yelling at me like how do you know jesus is god and all that stuff and um like like specifically that right. that that topic this mm. exact topic we're wow. talking about yeah. and for some reason in my dream what i said was well paul i said mm. i said we know that we know that paul is a real person wow. and paul wrote that jesus was god mm-hmm. uh and his writings have all been you know his writings have been confirmed yeah and it's more straightforward um, than any other gospels too yeah. about that yeah and so you know, if if you so through one example of just using Paul, we we can confidently say right. that Jesus is God, and that who Paul was writing about was actually the case because because uh, uh, Paul was an eyewitness, Paul was a martyr, mm-hmm. Paul was which we'll get into. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just funny that I I had that that dream of that back and forth, you know, and and I brought up I used Paul as my example. In the dream, it's like a prophecy. You, know? you were supposed to mention that during uh, <laughs> during this podcast. Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, I think, I, and I mentioned this earlier uh, about in a Jewish context, which is where Jesus was Jewish, and I guess a lot of his followers might have been, would, have, would have been Jewish. I guess um, they their culture was really they were really careful not to worship anything outside of God. Like they wouldn't have it, um, so mm-hmm. you have to ask the question: Well, what made them conclude and so quickly just concede that Jesus Himself is God, and they just started following Him and worshiping Him? And I mean, the simplest answer to that is that He claimed it, and then He proved it to them. I mean, you gotta remember these were eyewitnesses, right? These were people right. uh, who walked with Him, and. Uh, were, you know, the disciples walked with him and were with him and other followers of him. And then, uh, uh, and then there's also people who, um, who were some other writers in the new Testament were, they were either eyewitnesses themselves mm-hmm. of Jesus, or they, they were the, the next in next generation, um, after the eyewitnesses. So they, right. they themselves they talked to, with the, right. the eyewitnesses. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's not. You can't get closer than that to right. to the actual, you know, main main thing of the story or the source. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's trustworthy is essentially what that is. Um, we'll wrap up. But before we wrap it up completely, I want to I want to do this. Um, I've been meaning to speak to. How do you speak? To, you know, we've kind of been dealing with how do you speak to people that are just skeptical of the Christian faith. I just want to stop and uh, respond to some Islam, Islamic um, objections or some Muslims mm-hmm. that will give you an objection about this topic or uh, Jehovah's Witnesses um, that will challenge you on this as well and prepare you with at least, at least something. Um, and so I'll, Aaron, I don't know if you want to speak to this, but I'll, I'll give my two cents on what I've prepared here. Um, so what I've learned from listening to people like Nabil Qureshi, who is a 
Muslim convert um, to Christianity um, is that a lot of times what Muslims will, will do to because they believe in Jesus, they just believe he was a prophet. Um, and a lot of times what they'll do is, well, where do you, where does Jesus say, but they'll say it in this way. They'll say, where does Jesus say, I am God, worship me. And they'll say it in that very specific way. And the bill says that's because, right. And they'll say that they'll say it that way because that's how they're taught to object Christianity. That's how they're taught to challenge Christianity. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's probably because they know Jesus doesn't say that. He never says that. That's just, that's just a fact. Um, we as Christians know he doesn't say that. Um, but, but again, that's why they say it that way is because they're taught to say it that way so they can challenge the Christian uh, worldview. But here's the problem. That's that's terrible criteria. That's just, I mean, you're setting yourself up for failure if you say, oh, he has to say these specific words. And I mean, we could just flip that on its head and be like, well, where does where does Jesus say I'm just a prophet and serve Allah? He doesn't. And in the Quran, he doesn't. So, I mean, it's just bad criteria. And then after you uh, kind of converse with them and say, well, this is bad criteria. He doesn't say this. Um, but here's why um, he is God. And this is why he claimed to be God. And this is how we know he is God. Um, basically, the last 50 minutes is, is what you would then present them. But make sure you you're, they understand that's by, bad criteria to try to say, okay, was this person God or not? Um, not gonna, you can't give them this criteria. You've got to say these specific words. So... I don't know if Aaron no, that, was, that. that was really good. Yeah. Um, and lastly, Jehovah Witness, uh, if they challenge you with, um, well, of course, they believe that Jesus is not God and that he's just kind of like a messenger. Um, they may call him a Messiah in the sense that, <clears throat> excuse me, they believe that he, they believe that he died on the cross and that he spiritually resurrected, not bodily, but spiritually mm -hmm. resurrected. And they believe that he isn't God, though. That God just used him to, to fulfill all that stuff. And the problem with that is, um, one, if you strip Jesus of his deity, you can't. You really can't claim to be a Christian. Um, so that it's important for a Jehovah's Witness to really come to the understanding that Jesus is God um, for them to, in order to kind of um, receive their salva salvation uh, by grace. Um, yeah. And and I'm I'm gonna just read uh from Luke twenty uh chapter twenty four. Um this is Jesus after he resurrected, uh appearing to the disciples. Um and and this is in this is in the Jehovah's Witness Bible, which I what is it called? I wanna say it's I wanna say it's called the New World Translation, I believe. I think that's where their Bible is called, their translation. Something like that. I, I but ju it's, just, it just it's really me. off. And it, it's yeah. it's really it's really off. Um, I had one offer one to me uh, recently. Um, and I honestly was just like, I don't know if I even want to take it. Um, I don't want, I, I guess it's, it's honestly, I just, it's, it's, a, it's like guarding my mind, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like instead of just like, I, even if I'm just using it to like, just pick out what they believe. Um, I just want to guard my mind. Um, it's, if you go to any Greek or Hebrew uh, translator, they'll tell you it's, it's not really that, that good of a translation. <clears throat> but uh, Luke, Luke says this, he says, um, while they were telling these things, the disciples were sitting here talking. He himself, Jesus, stood in the, their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Uh, <laughs> peace be with you. Um, but they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit. All right, so they thought they were seeing a spirit, which is what Jehovah's Witnesses will claim that, oh, they just saw the spirit of Jesus. But then it goes on. It says, verse 38, it says, And he said, Jesus, to them, Why are you troubled and why do you doubt? Arise in your hearts. 
says, see my hands and my feet. And that is that that it is I myself. And then he says, touch me and see uh, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So <laughs> argument falls to the cracks uh, pretty easily. And that was that was from Luke, correct? That's from Luke, and that's in um, their that's in their Bible, by the way. So they didn't crop that one out. And uh, and just to speak to the credibility of Luke, mm. Um, mm. Luke, uh, Luke was well, a few things. He was um, he was backed by Paul, mm-hmm. and, which is huge, um, mm-hmm. as being a uh, a credible historian and source of of real. Uh, facts and all to get um and then um and then through research and all that historians have actually labeled luke as like as far as ancient historians go Mm -hmm. luke is like top notch top level like he's the the way that things line up and all to compared to what luke writes like he's like he's right there he's right on point with everything and that's that's been proven by uh you know, historians nowadays, hmm. skeptical historians and Christian historians and all that, they, they all will agree that Luke was a top notch historian himself. Right. Yeah. So just, just to give some backing to, to Luke. Yeah. He was, and he had, which means he had no bias because he was, a, he, he cared about, he was, in fact, yeah. he was a historian. That was his, that was he his was job. Just, like, he was literally just writing what, what was being done. Right. Um, and here's a little nugget. Um, if you read, if you read, uh, the beginning of most, most of the books in the Bible, the author kind of prefaces the the book itself by, by a paragraph or a few verses saying, essentially it's saying through this lens is how you should read my book. Um, so, uh, like we said earlier with John, he says the word, uh, was, uh, beginning was a word where was with God and the word was God. So through that lens, you should, should read this book as Jesus being God, essentially is what he's saying. Now, Luke, going back to Luke, he starts his, his, his book, his gospel as this is historically accurate and you can read it as being completely confident and sure that this is what happened. That's, that's how he starts his book. That's a good point. And so he, he's writing it as a historian, not a Christian, not a Jesus follower. Cause he, he wasn't one of the followers. I believe he was, just um, he was a he scribe. Was a, he for, was a um, he was a follower of Paul. Right, he was one of his students, um, yeah. and he was getting all this information from you know uh, someone who had walked with Jesus, who was an eyewitness. Um, and so that's how we read the book of Luke is because he's telling us, "I'm a historian. I I'm, I care about." I think he says, uses the word investigates. I investigated so that we have a completely accurate um, story, uh, an account of of Jesus and the gospel. So. Uh, we're almost at an hour. So. You want me to read that real quick? Uh, yeah, read that real quick. Just the beginning. Yeah, of yeah. Um, see, again, this is the beginning of Luke chapter 1, 1. Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. Mm. It also seemed good to me since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first to write to you in orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus. So that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. Yeah. Which I like use that as also as a, um, there's a lot of people that kind of don't think apologetics um, mix with faith. And to be honest with you, that's, that's a lot of people believe that, but it, it's a problem because 
the whole New Testament is apologetics. That's what it is. That's how the early church got started. It wasn't, oh, have a spiritual experience, which is nothing bad with that. Um, it was, oh, I hope you have, I'm going to pray for you. I hope you have that spiritual experience and that you'll come to know Christ. It was, here, I saw this happen. Believe it. Here's, you can ask, you know, I think Paul says, you can go, was it Paul? Uh, I, believe, I think it was Paul. Paul went and says, go ask these people. These people are still alive. There's 500 people that saw him at once. Go yeah, ask them. Um, and he's like, it's just apologetic uh, argument after apologetic argument. Even Jesus himself, uh, as I've explained in a prior video, um, he's even giving, He's. I mean, every time he does a miracle, not, I'm not going to say every time, most of the time when he does a miracle, he says, I, he did it so that the people would glorify God, so that they would be amazed. Uh, and he was doing it to affirm his deity. Um, that's apologetics. It's It's just the... The case making, making a case for what you are claiming. That's all it is. Um, and I think that's very important in the church. Uh, I think people need to be prepared, especially in this generation, um, where this culture is just uh, trying to tear down the walls of, of really faith in general, but uh, mainly Christianity. Um, and I believe there's a huge target on Christianity's back, mainly because it's true. Um, and that's, that's, that's if you just can, it. If you can get rid of truth... Then anything you can do anything. And yep. if you, you know, we don't need to turn this into like a right. I don't know. We'll start preaching. Know, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, if you if you can, uh, yeah. Again, if you get rid of truth, then um, <laughs> he's funny. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, did you want me to? Do you have more? You want? Oh, do you want to touch on the martyrs at all, or do you want to end the show soon? Uh, we'll end it here. Maybe we'll uh, touch on that another time. Um, we're over an hour. Probably babbled your ears off. Um, for, I don't think for people on live, you can probably see we're podcasting this audio, you know, on audio podcast as well. People on the audio podcast, you probably didn't know because I didn't tell you. Uh, we're a Facebook live in this, so that's why this may seem a little weird to you. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I'm gonna end it there. Um, if you don't know, now you know. Convince Christianity podcast. You can find it on iTunes or SoundCloud. Aaron, you want to uh, shout out your podcast one more time? Uh, before I do that, yeah. Can I read this last passage? Go for it. Remember the one I showed you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah good. Uh, so this is kind of just to wrap everything else. Wrap everything we talked about up. Again, this is this is in Romans, written by Paul, uh, and it's also just uh, an invitation to salvation, mm. um, and kind of just puts it all together uh so this is from romans 10 uh, starting in verse 9 if you confess with your mouth jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved with the heart one believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth one confesses resulting in salvation now the scripture says no one who believes on him will be put to shame for there is no distinction between jew and greek since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, that ending is important because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The name of the Lord, go back to chapter nine or verse 9, is uh, Jesus is Lord. Yeah. So, just to yeah. kind of tie yeah. everything up in a pretty bow. Yep. So, what we've learned is... Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. Believe and confess. Um, come into a relationship with him. 
Uh, your life will never be the same. Uh, you'll be impacted for the better. I'm not saying everything's going to be great, but uh, eternally, it doesn't get better than this. So, um, yep. Uh, so, Convince Christianity Podcast, True Strength Life Podcast, right? You can find that on iTunes and the Anchor app. Um, it should be on Google Play Store and also. the Google Play Store. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so check those out. Um, people on Facebook Live, thank you for watching. People on the podcast, thank you for listening. Hope you listen again soon, and uh, we'll be back soon. Hopefully, with the the next topic will be uh, the evidence for Jesus' resurrection. Mm. So that'll be good. It's be good stuff. All right. Thanks for listening, guys.